I am excited to connect with every entrepreneur, every business and owner, I am excited to share that this summer's episodes will be brought ahead. to you in part I by speaker coach Caesar Cervantes on my other specializing in helping you get your transformative message to the TEDx stage does in the guaranteed I thought to schedule your free brainstorming session, a lot of visit the link in the show the description founded, or Cesar Cervantes. I am honored TV. to welcome this U.S. Navy veteran to the show today. Peter Mann unknowingly tapped into being neurodivergent, using his autism to become a highly successful serial entrepreneur and CEO. Being autistic has allowed him to see unusual patterns to improve business strategy, create first-of-kind products with unique physical designs, and take business risks and so much more. A little background on Peter. After becoming a Dell executive after his military service, he founded the Austin-based Allen Corp. in 2002, a company that designs and manufactures indoor air purifiers. After bootstrapping from zero to 14 million he sold this company in 2009, and like many entrepreneurs, he was still hungry. He went on to found Radford, a Virginia-based Orsani, an electric motor technology and indoor air purification manufacturing company with a clean energy mission. As you can see, he's very intelligent, and he does so much. Orsani recently bought a large manufacturing facility in Virginia to expand and is hiring more than 100 local workers to move the company's entire manufacturing to the U.S., from China. So he's a busy guy, but he's taking the time to join us today. He's also the chair of the Association of Home Appliance Manufacturers. Peter, it's great to see you again and welcome to that entrepreneur show. Yeah, thanks, Vincent. Excited to be here. I'm excited to have you and everyone be sure to stick around for that spotlight story that's moved now towards the end of the show. I am truly inspired by all of this guest accomplishments and work ethic from just what I've learned briefly on one interview and on the internet. So I think we're going to dive into this great article from Corporate Wellness Magazine titled Managing Autism Spectrum Disorder, an Entrepreneur Success Story. We'll compare and contrast together. But to everyone who's tuning in for the first time today, I have to welcome you to another great show here as 2023 is moving along. This is the podcast that's meant for high performers like yourself looking to improve. I've had the opportunity and privilege to sit down with a different founder of a company or brand every week since 2019. And here we are streaming in from Virginia. And I am excited to share that this summer's episodes will be brought to you in part by speaker coach Cesar Cervantes, specializing in helping you get your transformative message to the TEDx stage. Guaranteed to schedule your free brainstorming session, visit the link in the show description or CesarCervantes.tv. We're going to kick this off, Peter. Why did you become an entrepreneur after your service? What led you to be on your own? Yeah, so, I mean, I went to, to college, but I, I never took a, a business class. I didn't have any business experience. And so when I got out of the military, I, um, you know, just worked for a couple of companies. Um, I didn't, you know, starting a business was something I always wanted to do, but I didn't know how to do it. And I, I don't think I had the confidence to do it and so i worked at two you know fortune 100 tech companies last one being dell and what kind of gave me the push was the dot-com bubble burst in the early 2000s where it was just you know not a not a great place to be and it's like i think we can you know this is the time to start a business and you know the way i did it was to take some risk out where um, dell was my day job 
And then 7 p.m. to 11 p.m. was working on the startup. And, you know, that took six, seven months until it became a, you know, a viable business. And then it made it much easier to, you know, step into that full time. Put in the work behind the scenes. And Dell is no joke. That's a huge company. I'm sure you've had a lot of great lessons learned from that company. But since you've been on your own, what are some of the harder areas you find compared to being in that nine to five role? Yeah, I mean, I think as an entrepreneur, what's what's tough is, you know, you're, you know, you don't have that big company name behind you and all their resources and all their money. Um, like, who are you? You know, you're <laughs> you're this company we've never heard of. And, you know, why should we work with you? And so it 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 creates some challenges. There's some inherent benefits to being the big company, the established brand. Everybody knows you. You don't have to explain who you are or why they should work with you. And so that that's kind of the challenge. But I think there's definitely opportunity areas to kind of stand out and shine and do things in a better way. Um, but but the hurdles is just really being unknown and, and not having the resources that and the safety, in a sense, that the big companies have. Yeah, I mean, the recognition you get from an established brand is great the safety, the security with the paycheck, the benefits, you name it. But your startups aren't any joke. I'd love to backtrack just a bit here. Your <laughs> first company, um, Allen Corp. Let's talk a little bit more about that. I mean, I'm sure you can provide a lot of value to everyone listening on, not just in this field, but because you bootstrapped from zero to double digit millions. Yeah. So in, in that case, um, you know, I co-founded it with another person and we started off um you know, the idea was to create a number of different um, niche websites to, you know, compete in areas that Amazon at that point was more of a book um, seller. Um, yes. And they started to sell some other things, but um, it, it, you know, but they didn't have a phone number. And so our thought was, well, what if we sell some things that can be bought online, but require more of a consultative type of a sale? And so, you know, air purifiers was one of those sites. Um, you know, another one was like tankless water heaters or, um, you know, we did like business phones. We had like a, a number of different websites. And then, you know, over time, uh, we started to see um, opportunities to really create like uh, our own brand and, and brand products from factories in China. And that's kind of how the Allen, Allen brand started and kind of got into that um you know business model but it, it kind of evolved and so when we started off we were selling other people's products and so it didn't require the capital you just had to create a website google ads were like five cents a click um <laughs> and, and it was a lot of mom and pop type sites so the competition was pretty low it was just very early days and so the timing um you know was was really important and so that's that made it that much easier because you know, I was at Dell and we were competing with HP. And then I go into this business and I'm competing with just mom and pop type companies. And so <laughs> it was, it was, it was a different game, you know, obviously much smaller market, but, um, you know, we did really well um, in that to, you know, eventually kind of, you know, look for more margin opportunities. And that was in, in working directly with factories. I love a lot of things you said there. Um, Amazon, I love that story when they start where he started as a bookstore, an online bookstore, and then the dot-com bubble, all these things. And yeah, so HP and Dell were the big the big players. They still are kind of, but at that point, I feel like there was a lot less little guys clawing their way up. 
What was one of your biggest takeaways from working at Dell, Peter? Ooh, well, <laughs> so, um, hmm. I mean, Dell was that was a huge company. They were their model was really around volume, uh, driving market share, and taking cost out. Um, and in my heart, I was kind of more of an Apple Mac guy in terms of the design and the activity and everything kind of working together. And so I, I kind of had a little bit of mixed feelings. I've, I've kind of felt in a sense I was at the wrong company <laughs> when I was there, but I learned a lot. Um, and, um, you know, it's a, you know, competitive, competitive market and, you know, there's some really smart, good, good people there. Um, and, you know, to me, I, I came from a, a computer distributor before that, where, you know, the margins were like two, 3%. And I went to Dell and it was in the twenties. And I thought that was crazy margins. Uh, and it's all perspective, but you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, it's kind of like in Dell, I think I learned the different aspects of, of business and marketing and taking products to market and launching products. And that's probably been the biggest learning um, for me in terms of, you know, now launching products and there's a process to it and a system, um, you know, to, to taking a product to market. I love that. Thank you for sharing and everyone listening on out there. He's highlighted so many things working on this as a side hustle until it came time to blossom using these learning lessons from working for one of the big dogs to put into his current business. We learned all about Allen Corp. Now I have to ask you about your latest baby here. Virginia-based Orsani. I love how you're bringing all these jobs to America from China to begin with, but I love to learn a little more about it. Again, everyone, it's an electric motor technology that he's really mastered, I feel. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so when when I was at, at um, Allen, it was, you know, we had a number of different types of businesses and I was always um, really like the air purification space. And that's because my son struggled with asthma and I saw this as a, a safe, um, you know, uh, technology or, or way to improve his indoor air environment to help, you know, help with his asthma. So it was kind of a personal connection. That. And so I wanted to create a brand around indoor air quality. Um, and at that time, I think Tim Ferriss's four hour work week came out and I was like, oh, maybe I can start a business and run it kind of in that that model and so when i started it was just me and a couple um customer service folks who are you know stay-at-home moms <laughs> that you know in austin uh, where i was at the time and um and that's kind of how we kind of how we got started you know because i had relationships already with a number of factories um and just worked with them to get some products developed um and i knew how to launch the products and we had the I knew how to create a website. Um, and, and, and on top of that, I, you know, just leveraged a number of different agencies, kind of like what Tim outlined in his book. And, you know, that's kind of how the company was for the first four or five years. And we, you know, got it to probably five to $7 million range just doing that. And then again, if you kind of fast forward to COVID, it just kind of blew up the whole air purifier space. Um, just kind of the right, got lucky being in the right place at the right time. And, um, you know, it was, it was crazy. It's like, we almost shut off our advertising because there's just so much demand. 
And then there's some supply chain issues. And so you're a little bit limited in, in what you can manufacture. And the demand was so high that um, it, it was a little bit surreal going, <laughs> going through that. And, you know, you know, and I had worked with, you know, a contract manufacturer in the U.S. and we did have a couple of U.S. made products, but the the price point was high and every year the costs would go up. And I'd met some other folks in Virginia that were, um, you know, electric motor um, companies and kind of maintain relationships with them. And then they reached out to kind of at the beginning of COVID where they've developed um, a new motor technology and it started a new company. And so, you know, we invested in that business and eventually it got to the point where it's like, you know, we should just merge these companies together. Um, and that's what we did in the summer of 2021. And, you know, in that process, I ended up moving to Virginia. Okay. Um, that's how I ended up here. And so, you know, I have a business partner, but we're really a motor technology company now. We you know, started with air purification, but, you know, now we theoretically can make anything with an electric motor. And we have some technology advantages, um, which we're pretty excited about in that we can you know, have a higher performance, but we can compete with, you know, any of the low cost imports. Um, and that's kind of the direction we're going. I think that's a, it's a winning formula from what I've seen, because what's happened in our space is, you know, COVID, it kind of blew up. All these competitors mm -hmm. entered the space. Now it's kind of gone back to pre-COVID levels. And now there's all these competitors. And so there's going to be some consolidation um, and cost is is critical. And so that's that's really what we're focused on right now. It's such a heavy change as we come, quote unquote, out of this pandemic. But in just eight months, we're having another election here in America. So will things go backwards? Will things go forward? I think you've got a good stronghold on your business, Peter. And I congratulate you for all the success now through two businesses. I am excited because I have a feeling there will be a third baby coming out of you <laughs> once this is all said and done. But until then, I'd love to help out our audience a little more, Peter. There's some things that we all use, some tools, some resources we have that help us grow and succeed. If you could recommend one book, workshop, app, tool, anything you use that helps you succeed, what is something you could pay forward to our audience? Yeah, I mean, there's, I, I guess a book would be Seth Godin's This Is Marketing. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you've read that, but, um, you know, especially what I've seen in my space. And I mean, anyone that sells online, if you've, you know, if you've been on Google for 20 years, when you went from five cents a click to, you know, our categories, four or five, six bucks a click. Now it's, it, it's not really scalable yeah. <laughs> at this point. And so, you know, from that, you really have to build marketing into your product and word of mouth is, is much more effective. Um, and so instead of just having a me too product or um, having something that really resonates and connects with the customer solves a problem, and it's something that they, you know, would want to talk about um, to someone else. And that is a much better way to grow. It's it's more cost effective and it's really just more effective overall. I love that recommendation. He's a whiz. I've read a lot of his material as well. Um, agreed. Word of mouth, it may be the hardest to get, but it is the, I agree with the most valuable, most impactful for others. I mean, if you think if a stranger tells you to do something versus a close friend, a family member, who you're going to listen to more. And I think you're doing a great job at creating sound products, sound service, and that's going to go a long way with your continued success. I think it's been a lights out episode, but before we hop into this week's spotlight story to close us out, 
I love this question to close us out, Peter. If you could choose to have a conversation with any entrepreneur, dead or alive throughout history, who would you choose? Hmm. I pro- I'd probably say Steve Jobs, just looking at kind of what he went through. I, I remember in the 90s, you know, I was in the computer industry and Apple was struggling. You know, it really wasn't until they came out with their iPod that it, things changed for them. Um, and, you know, I'd really be curious to pick his brain in terms of that process of, you know, the decade plus that he struggled with, with Apple and, you know, and to where it is now, um, kind of that process and, you know, kind of what his you know perspective is on things. No surprise there. As I learned, you are an Apple guy and I love the reasoning behind that. Um, my memories, I am a, born in 91, so my memories are Apple mostly being a powerhouse throughout my lifetime. But let's delve a bit deeper, even though he does have a great story like uh, the Amazon we touched on, the garage, the whole nine. Where would you meet Steve Jobs for this meeting if you had that choice? (laughs) Wow. Well, I've never been to the Apple headquarters. It looks pretty amazing. So (laughs) let's let's go there. Um, Yeah, it's 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 really, you know, fantastic. I mean, they're they've they're one of the top, if not the top brand um, you know, in the marketplace. And so, um, they find a way to keep being innovative. They find a way to keep staying ahead of the curve somehow. And I'm sure that they have a whole bunch of stuff already ready to get released. That isn't, you know, already ahead of the curves. And it's not, I'm a Apple guy as well. A funny story, a side note, I had my MacBook I got in college or grad school. My last one, I think it was 2013 version. And it lasted me until, of course, the day after Black Friday, when there was Black Cyber Monday, whatever it's called, when there's no sales. (laughs) I I bring it in. They're like, this thing's vintage. They're bringing all of the other people from the Genius Bar around to check out. It's like, how does it still work? I said, well, I take care of my stuff. And I'm holding on to it. It wasn't a cheap purchase. And um, now I, of course, I missed the, I'm sure it wasn't a big sale, but any little discount would have been nice when you're buying a new computer. Now we're rocking and rolling. (laughs) I still have my last one. It just doesn't always stay connected to the internet is the problem. So when I'm doing podcasts, I'm cutting out all these things. I said, I guess it's time to uh, hopefully get another 10 years out of the new one, but (laughs) enough of the, my personal computer problems. I think we should hop (laughs) into this, the spotlight story here. As I mentioned, as we have, and you've heard all day, someone thriving um, with autism, using it to propel him forward. We have another story here. It is from Corporate Wellness Magazine. And feel free to follow along. This link is in the show description. Here's how it starts. If you travel to North Central Indiana, you can go to the Green Bridge Growers, a commercial greenhouse filled with herbs, lettuces, and sunflowers. At the store, you'll meet Chris Tidmarsh, a 30-year-old entrepreneur with degrees in chemistry, environmental studies, the French language, and a robust passion for agriculture. He also happens to have autism. He's one of 3.5 million Americans who live with autism. After being abruptly fired from an environmental research job because of his difficulties communicating, Chris and his mother teamed up to create Greenbridge. Quote, there is a deep, deep need for hope and jobs, the mother said. She often shares her story of her son and her son's success with other parents whose children have autism to illustrate that a successful career is possible. The next part talks about living with autism. His path is similar to that of others who are building their own businesses. He possesses the knowledge and vision to accomplish his goal. On the job, he acts as a mentor to those who work with him, and his hard work and dedication are paying off, where in the fiscal year 2018, I guess this article back then, Greenbridge was projected revenue of 80K with a profit of 30K. Unlike other entrepreneurs, 
Chris encounters a number of daily challenges. He has a difficult time assessing tasks, delegating them to others, and executing his vision. But while he dreamed up Greenbridge, he leans on his mother and network of support to fulfill his vision. Now, high-functioning autism in the workplace. Adults with autism have an estimated 80 to 90% unemployment rate. Quote, one of the ways people choose to address this is by creating a business that allows them to be self-employed, says Angela Greer, CEO of Autism Speaks, an advocacy and support organization. By creating their own companies, people on the spectrum can develop a work environment that meets their comfort level. Entrepreneurs who have autism thrive in self-centered workplaces and often find success through building a network. Now it says growing up with autism. Chris was diagnosed with autism as a preschooler. Since he was first a child, his mother says she and her husband didn't notice certain behaviors that may have concerned a more experienced parent. As he grew up, his parents focused on immediate elementary immediate steps, excuse me, elementary school, middle school, high school, and college. After graduating college, he successfully landed his first job. Quote, I was doing a lot of office work and behind the computer. I'm not the best with that style, he said. They generally communicate verbally, and I'm more of a visual learner. The mother went on to say, quote, It was hard for us to have this young man with a lot of ability and unable to use it. That was really concerning. I really believe in the importance of work. It's a part of who you are. And before I bring him back on, I'm going to touch on beating the autism workplace odds. With the help of his family, Chris began to develop an idea for his business. One key component was for him to offer training to others who have autism. And I love that. Jan applied to a program designed to help start up social enterprises through her alma mater, Notre Dame. During their presentation, Chris spoke about the difficulty people who have autism face when trying to find work. The result, they won a social impact prize, which provided $15,000 for the business. From there, Chris and Jan met with farmers and wholesalers to determine the market potential and set a course for business development and expansion. Chris went on to say, my goal is to be self-sufficient. He's thrilled by the progress Greenbridge has made so far and optimistic about the future. This covered a lot here in this article, Peter. What are some of your takeaways on it? Yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, you're right. The unemployment rate is I've seen, you know, up to 85% and it's, you know, it's autistic folks. The hiring process is <laughs> kind of set, set up to um, weed, weed us out. Um, it's, it's very much a verbal, um, you know, making eye contact, body language, um, kind of first impression assessment. And it's in a way disconnected from actually doing the job. And so I, I think there needs to be a lot of, um, awareness and, and changes in making the hiring process more inclusive um, because there is a lot of wasted talent um, that people just aren't really, you know, they have talents and they're not being put to use. Um, and, you know, my opinion, this is a Steve Jobs thing is the best idea should win. You know, it's not who's the, you know, if you're in a meeting, it's not who's the highest ranked person or the loudest person or the person that talks the most. It's like, who has the best ideas and what are the best ideas? It shouldn't matter who they come from. And I think that's a bit of a mind shift um, or a mindset shift that, you know, you know, some companies have, but others don't. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a real success story, but for me, it's also the autonomy kind of comes through. I think autistic folks tend to be more, have more of a, a need for autonomy. We don't really fit into the, um, the world as it's structured 
um, from a social standpoint. And so, you know, having autonomy to control things that you can do well is very appealing. And, you know, even for me, that four hour work week was like, yeah, I can just outsource these things to these other companies. And they're, you know, I'm their customer and they treat me very differently than, you know, dealing with other people in the office. It's a, um, you know, the problem with that is it doesn't necessarily scale very well, but it's a good way to get started. And so, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I mean, those are my my thoughts. I think there's other advantages to being autistic as an entrepreneur. I mean, I, I get dopamine or the positive chemicals from work. So I could work from 7 to 11 p.m. and be energized about it. You know, Elon Musk puts in 80 to 100 plus hours a week because it, that's where he gets his energy from. It's not, I mean, most people get their energy from socializing and like, imagine if that's how work is for you. <laughs> I mean, I'm kind of the same way, like yourself, Elon Musk. I mean, I'm not comparing myself to Elon Musk by any means, but <laughs> I, for a long time before I recognized the value of taking breaks and burnout and all those things, I am energized by my work because that's my passion. I can sit here and do these things all day because especially in the beginning as a complete solopreneur, I had to do everything myself, whether it's the website falling behind social media. And that's just the things everybody sees. The back end work, like networking with you preparing you, interviewing you, editing you, posting you, uh, marketing you, you name it. There is so much in entrepreneurship and I truly believe that if you're passionate about what you're doing, it will give you some energy. Peter, I have to thank you again so much for starting your day as we're recording this. We're starting bright and early here from Tampa <laughs> Bay to Virginia. I'd like to touch on one more time. Where can we find you online? Where can we find you, your websites, your company, anything you want like to share, please do. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, Peter Mann, M-A-N-N. Um, you know, should should pop up pretty easily in the search results. And then the website is ransi.com, O-R-A-N-S-I.com. Um, and yeah, happy to, to connect with anyone. Thank you for sharing that, everyone. Be sure to hop on LinkedIn if you're in this field, especially. He is a great guy to know. As I mentioned, he was on a mental health break. Do scroll down in the show description to catch out all he's up to. And the show is at That Entrepreneur Show on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And on Instagram right now, I'm a little behind, but we are all at Vincent A. Lancy because... As a solopreneur for a little longer, I am still trying to do the best I can with that. I think that is my hardest challenge of entrepreneurship right now. But I want to thank everyone out there for tuning in to another episode of That Entrepreneur Show. Stick around till next week, next Friday with another new show. And Peter, thank you so much again. Yeah, thanks so much.